Welcome to season three of Motivate Me. We invite you to travel the 50 states in 90 days as we interview people about their passion. Why? In order to inspire you to live a life that's more exciting or more meaningful. This is Motivate Me, and I'm Lynette Renda. So today we are in Lighthouse Point, Florida, and we are speaking to Christine Snaringer. And Christine is from Tampa, Florida. The setting here is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, we're on the intercoastal waterway here, and it's beautiful. And we are just gonna have a little conversation about Christine's passion, which is bringing joy to people. So can you tell me more about that? How do you bring joy to people, Christine? Well, lately I've been doing it through stand-up comedy. Um, I've, I'm a communicator at heart, and so I do that, whether that's written or verbally, and I do a lot of public speaking, but in the last few years I've been doing stand-up comedy, and I just kind of added that to my repertoire as a communicator. How did that start for you? Like, I mean, most people, because how old were you when you started stand-up comedy? <laughs> this is just in the last five yes, years? Yes, or? five years ago I, I did comedy for the first time in a leadership course, it was an experiment. And I really didn't expect much to come of it. It was I was just trying something because I've been a public speaker for a number of years in my work as in a nonprofit and in those speaking engagements people would say, Oh, you're funny, you should you should be a comedian and I was like, I don't know how people I just didn't know how people end up on the stage doing comedy, you know. I enjoy laughter, but I didn't really think I had whatever it took to do that. And so um, but when I took this course and we were encouraged to try a goal, to get outside of your comfort zone and to try something new and to play big, you know, here I have keep calm and go big. So, and I, I that's kind of a That's your of shirt too. That's your motto right there. You made that shirt, right? I did make the shirt. Um, actually, what I say is go big or go home, but it didn't really work with the keep calm theme. I have, I have socks. I wish I'd worn them today that say go big or go home. But for what for a comedy show that I recently put on, and I have a few more to go this summer, I developed these shirts, and it says "Keep Calm and Go Big" because that's what I want to encourage people to do in their own lives is to go after their dream. And I'm I'm selling the shirts to help me go big. I'm actually pursuing an opportunity to go study apologetics and theology, and I was using comedy as a tool to help raise money for that. See, that's amazing because you know, for most people, public speaking is worse than death. Like seriously, they would rather die than speak publicly. And so in order to raise money to go study in Oxford, you decide you're going to do that through something that other people would rather die than do, right? Through comedy. And for my audience, I'm sure so many people have wanted to give comedy a shot, right? Yeah. Have wanted to try that. So was there anything in your past that kind of gave you a hint that this is something you may be doing later in your life? It's really funny. I, I mean, I, when I, as a little girl, in, I remember in junior high school, I used to love to listen to Joan Rivers on The Tonight Show. She would co-guest uh, host for Johnny Carson. And it was, I wasn't supposed to be up that late, but I did sneak up sometimes to listen to her. And I didn't know of any other female comedians. And I just appreciated her. But I don't think I ever saw myself doing that. But then as I got older and I did begin to do some public speaking, and my public speaking came out of sharing parts of my life. It's been a, a pretty up and down bumpy road 
And I first started public speaking when I was in college, and I, I got wrapped up in, honestly, it was a religious cult, which I'm not proud of that. It was kind of an embarrassing season of my life. But as a result of that, I got asked to speak on those kind of issues, and I just had a heart to want to help people. And so that was what got me in front of people, is sharing my story, sharing my journey in the hopes that prevention of helping other people go down that road. And then later on, I've got into some, some other challenging things. I'm actually a victim of sex, sexual abuse and just, you know, had a, some hard things in life and some difficult family circumstances that caused me a lot of pain. And so I share my story of overcoming. And, and that's a big part of who I am is wanting to help other people and wanting to make a difference. But I did not know I was funny. And so what, where I learned I was funny is in public speaking, like my audiences would laugh at certain things and I would just be talking and they would start laughing. And I would say, oh, in my, in my head, I go, oh, I didn't know that was funny. Like I, and I, sometimes I'd go, why is that funny? You know, I didn't even know why. It was just the way that I shared. And <laughs> well, you told us a little story the other day that you do include in your comedy routine that you don't think is that funny. That is like one of those things. Can you tell the audience about that? I think you're talking about when I was sharing the first time I got a purse, and, and it was I, was I was an adult, I was in my 20s, which I was a little late to the party on girly things. I have a younger sister who's very girly, but I was always very masculine and tomboyish. So I didn't get a purse until I was in my 20s. And I literally thought, what do you put in here? Like, I didn't know, because I've only ever had pockets, right? And you can't put a lot in your pockets. Some, some change, some chapstick, you know, put my comb in my back pocket. But when I got a purse, I was like, I don't actually know. I thought there would be some manual that said, this is what you stick in a purse. And there wasn't. And so I just found stuff and I stuck it in there. I mean, I found, you know, I put my Swiss Army knife in there, my Crescent wrench. I mean, I just put random things in there that most people don't think goes in a purse. Actually, that's not the story I was talking oh about. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that isn't great. even the one you wanted. What's, no, it was a cruise. What? It had to do with your family and a cruise. Oh my soul. Okay. So yeah, I found out on, um, my whole family went on a cruise without me and I found out on Facebook <laughs> and you think that's funny I like I don't know why people think that's funny but I guess <laughs> they just make makes them feel better well maybe I don't know but in the way it just came up it was just hilarious I yeah. don't know why either no it's okay I mean my comedian friends say oh my gosh that's so funny you gotta put that on the stage but you know and then didn't your sister say something? My, I, so I asked my sister. It took me like three months to ask her about it because I was I was kind of hurt. I was like, yeah, oh. no, that's what's like. I think that's what makes people laugh. It's the awkward, like it's an awkward, like that's funny the way you're delivering it, but shocking that your family would do that. Like something, it's a mixture of those things that you. It's totally organic. It was awkward when I opened Facebook <laughs> on a Saturday and I see my mom and she's like, hey, we're going on a cruise. It's gonna be so fun. And I was like. And then I go to my sister's Facebook and there's, they're all going on. And I was like, is that my family? Is that my family? Is it, I think that's my family. And so I was like, so it took me three months to ask my sister about it. Right. Because it was kind of sensitive. And I just said, hey, you know, I noticed you all went on a cruise. And you, know, you didn't ask me. Not that they have to ask me, but I thought it would have been nice to go with my family on a cruise. And she goes, we didn't even think of you. And I was like, oh, okay. And I just... Like that hurt, you know? Yeah, no, and it is hurtful, but the way you tell it, it just something about it, it just makes I don't know, I can't explain it. <laughs> but I think that's I think that's what makes a comedian. Whatever that is, you have that. I don't even know what it is. I did I have learned that tension is comedy's best friend, so maybe there's tension in there, I don't know. 
But, um, but I think it's the fact that you don't know. That's what makes it funny. I think that's actually it. That's the key. It's so funny because I told that joke, which to me is not a joke, but I told that uh, in, a, in a show I did recently. It was my first time headlining, and my, my comedian friends think it's funny. And so I shared it, and they laughed. And I thought, and I said, there's no punchline here. I said, well, apparently that was the punchline, and I missed it. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I can. So, so but, what kind of hesitations or challenges did you have moving into performing like this? Well, I'll tell you, I've done, I had done public speaking for a number of years before I stepped into the realm of comedy. And I didn't realize that, like, it, it, the, the nervousness factor went up a whole lot with comedy, for sure. I did notice a difference there. In fact, I watched a five-minute uh, video of myself performing in a club. And it was like the first time I was on stage and I counted how many times I said, you know, and I said, you know, 27 times in five minutes, which as a public speaker, that's embarrassing. Right. And it's, if you're that bad, you should quit public speaking. Right. But I don't do it that much in regular public speaking. So what I realized was I, you know, I feel very you know, nervous I... in, in, in doing standup comedy. And so I really wanted to work on that and get more comfortable on this stage. But so I want to say, cause you asked me about, what would you say to somebody who might be interested in this or, or even whatever their goal is. But for me, so I came through comedy kind of backwards, you know, if that makes sense. I, some people just know fully that they want to do it and they go for it. I just was trying it. And people even asked me during my leadership course, they said, oh, do you want to be a comedian? I said, no, I don't want to be a comedian. I don't know how anybody does that. But they encouraged us to try something new. So I'm trying something new. And I'm, my thought was maybe this will enhance my public speaking. So that was why I tried it as a goal. But then a comedian called me on the phone, a well-known Christian comedian. Uh, his name is Michael Jr. If anybody knows who that is, wonderful guy. But he called me and said, God told me to mentor you in comedy. And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't want to say, I just retired yesterday. Like the class had ended and I was pretty much done. My experiment was over. But when he called me, I thought, okay, if you want to mentor me, I'll keep going. I'm thinking, I don't know what this is about, but you know, I knew he was very accomplished and very, very talented. And so I was, it was an honor for somebody like that to give me a call. Somebody had shared a little video with me, probably the one where I said, you know, 27 times actually. <laughs> and he says, I need to mentor that. Yeah, he said, she needs help. Yeah. And uh, so people saw the gift in me. I didn't see it. And I will tell you that a woman in my church who does drama with children, like homeschool kids, like 300 kids, she would teach for a whole school year and then put on a big play that she said to me in a room like a like a home study we were sitting around a group of women and she said across the room Christine you really should try comedy you should go take a class now I have been told in the past you should try this but when she said it it had more weight to it because she was her career was all about the performing arts and so I kind of tucked that away and then when I heard actually Michael Jr for the first time I was at a leadership course and I found myself saying to his assistant at the table where they sold his merchandise, I said to his assistant something I'd never even thought before. And as I was saying, it, I thought, where's this coming from? And I said to the man, I have a secret ambition to do comedy. And I was very surprised by that statement because it was, it was so secret that it was a secret even to me. But when I said it, I was like, wow. And I knew I was going to take the next class that was being offered, which was one where you work on a specific goal. And I was going to take it uh, for a goal that I wanted to work on, but I didn't realize we all get to work on two goals. So I had to come up with a second goal. And I thought, well, I'm going to try comedy. You know, this, this lady from church thinks I have potential and what, you know, what could it hurt? So I tried it. 
and then I, like I said, a mentor came from out of nowhere and that kept me going for a while. And, and I've, I've worked with some pretty amazing comedians and, and I just did my first show like two weeks ago where I headlined, meaning I was the main performer at a show, which I didn't even know I could do that. It was crazy. So it was a gift that I didn't know I had. So did you actually take a class? I did take a class. When I declared comedy as my goal, I took a six week class at a comedy club. And it was like, I don't know what it was called, but it's like a beginner's comedy class. And in the six weeks, we would meet and talk about, they wanted us to, each week we had homework. So my homework was, for example, the first week was to write down your most embarrassing moment. And then we were going to perform it the next week. And, and each week we would, you know, perform something. They would tell us to write about this or write about that. And then by the end, we were supposed to have a five minute set because each one of those homework assignments would lead to one minute of comedy. And at the end of that, we all performed in front of, at the club, in front of our friends and family or whoever came out. It was 350 people came out. And I'll never forget my first time in a comedy club. I, like halfway through a five minute set, so like two minutes in, I forgot what I was gonna say next. And I totally went blank. And I just stared at the audience. And the teacher had said during the class, he said, look, if you ever forget what you're gonna say, just wait, it'll come. So I, th so I thought, okay, I'm gonna wait. Well, nothing was happening, you know, right? So I'm waiting and silent and there it's, I'm silent, they're silent. They don't know what's, you know, I mean, we're all like confused at this moment. And it's, it's kind of embarrassing because honestly, it's like 30 seconds of silence go by standing in front of 350 people. And I didn't know what to do because I'm thinking, he said, wait, and it'll come, it didn't come. So now what? So they, the crowd starts clapping and cheering. And I think they were saying, or this is how I took it. You can do it, you know? And so I relaxed from that. And I pulled my index card out of my back pocket that had my set list and I, I saw where my next joke was and I, and I kept going. But I mean, it was, so it, it was kind of horrifying in that moment. Well, thank you for sharing that because I think so many people would stop right there. Yes, and just be like, I can't do this. I gotta get out of here. And thank God, they, in fact, they, when they announced the show, they said these comedians have never performed before. So they knew it was a bunch of first timers. And so I was, I mean, it was, they were very gracious to cheer me on in that very awkward moment. And I kept going. And the shocking thing is, Michael Jr. saw that video and called me and said, God told me to mention you. So he didn't even see like raw talent, or maybe he did. But, you know, it wasn't that he saw somebody do such a smashing job because blanking out for 30 seconds is quite awkward. But he still saw something that he wanted to invest in. So what do you think you've learned about yourself through this? Well, I've learned that when you tell a bad joke, you're not going to die. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, when you, when you fail on stage, you're not a failure. In fact, it's pretty courageous to go on stage. And I think whatever anybody's dream is or passion is, it's pretty courageous to go after it. I think we get caught up in making a living and we lose sight of where's your passion. Because a lot of people aren't making a living pursuing their passion and they're just out there getting a paycheck. So we have a lot of people living from their head up, but I think we need to engage our heart more and so for me, I learned to breathe on stage because I would rush through my materials so afraid that they were going to hate me that I would be like, let me hurry up and get out of here. So I'm going to hurry up and say this and get off the stage. So I've learned to relax and pause and breathe. And those are great things to do in life is pause, breathe. And soak it in. Soak it in. And I, I feel like what you're saying too is like just appreciating it, feeling worthy of that time on stage and that you are worth people sitting there and listening to. 
Well, and I never thought about it that way, so thank you for putting it that way. Um, I was just very surprised. I've been very surprised by this whole journey, but it's been, it's been a fun journey, as you can imagine, as a comedian. Now I'm looking for what's funny, and now I try to find, because I was unintentionally funny for so long, and now I'm looking for what is funny and how do I put that on stage and things like that. But I think for my takeaway is take a risk. You know, one of the things in my leadership training they said is get outside of your comfort zone. They said in your comfort zone, you're decaying. When you get outside of your comfort zone, you're growing. And the, the, the longer you stay in your comfort zone, the smaller it gets. So it's, it's very confining. But when you get outside of it, it, get, it expands and it gets bigger. And so I think we need to take more risks in life and challenge ourselves. Find a mentor. God brought me one, but there's been others that I've pursued and asked them, would you help me with this? And so all these things have brought me to where I am today of just being able to get on stage, bring joy. And again, like you said, I'm bringing joy. I'm, I'm trying to laugh my way to Oxford by I'm doing some comedy shows to help raise money for me to go study so that I can be even a better communicator. That's awesome. The great advice. And I love what you're doing. Where can people check out your work or contact you? I, uh, I have a website, christinesneeringer.com. And my nonprofit website is worthycreations.org. I work in a nonprofit. I talk about sexuality in Christian circles. And so I teach godly principles in an ungodly world. And I'm bringing my comedy into that as well. And so that's worthycreations.org. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Christine. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I have come to be known as the 50 States in 90 Days Lady a concept that is unfathomable to most. If you would like me to come speak at your event about how to envision, explore, and execute a plan, or how to create a life that is more exciting or more meaningful, you can find me at MotivateMePodcast.com. And the world keeps turning and I just keep moving along. Oh.